Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. We're back, and we got another week of awesome stuff to talk about. And we're gonna, we're going to chat about it, but really, it's just a conversation this week about life. The the game life? No, close. I mean, there will be some aspects of the game life. You know, millions of dollars, different things like that. Dang. But otherwise, we're just chatting about life because we're life. doing life advice. Because each of us have have lived a little bit of life. I mean, one of us a little bit more of life. I'm leaving. <laughs> It's, it's just honest. I mean, I can't. You're right. I can't no, not be it's a truthful statement. I just don't like it sometimes. It it's hurts fine. my feelings. I'm, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. I forgive you. I'll probably do it again. You are going to do it again. <laughs> but we're going to chat about life. And before we get there, because we're all doing a little bit of what would we give advice to ourselves five or ten years ago? So, Ben, Jaina, anything going on in your guys' lives lately? I had a baby. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Third child. It's good times. So, huge life change. Yep. So, Ben hasn't slept in three days. Yeah. So, if he says anything crazy, we'll yeah. just attribute it to that. I'm mentally not here right now. Mm. I get that. I get that. I've been there. Been there. I was there yesterday. You had a baby yesterday? Wow. Congrats. <laughs> just Guys, kidding. I didn't mean just to reveal kidding. it on the podcast, but... <laughs> No, we did not have a child. We are happily married with no children for the foreseeable future. Feature? Future. Oh. <laughs> All right. Jaina, anything happening in your life? Huh? Uh, no. No? Nothing happening in my life. Just just doing the whole <laughs> pandemic? Yeah, just living. Just living. I um, I got a carpet cleaner. All like right. A, Shampooer, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing. What's yeah. Lucy? They're amazing. Carpet cleaner. Lucy She's fine. being Lucy's Dana's my cat. dog. She's fine with it. She just sits on the couch and watches. But it's the most satisfying and disgusting thing I've ever seen. Uh, agreed. And I live, I rent my house, so I have no idea when the last time the carpet was cleaned. for sure. And it was disgusting. It's life changing. Yeah, it in multiple. It ways. really is. You got carpet cleaner oh, too. We had. I can tell this story if you'd like. You want no, life no, no, advice? No, I, don't, I don't want to know about right. the dog thing. I've oh, heard the dog yeah, thing. The, it's the dog thing. It's gross. If you want to know about the dog thing, come ask me sometime. Yeah. <laughs> we had to get a carpet cleaner. Yeah, it's gross. Rough. I feel like I need a carpet cleaner now. Get a pet first. It's not happening. Okay, well, you're good. All right, no need for a carpet cleaner. <laughs> or I'll have a baby. Yeah. Yeah, the pets are worse for the carpet than oh, the baby. Okay. That's true. In my experience. Just insulted all pet owners out there. No, that's not true. I just told... Told a truthful fact. They probably already know. All right, yeah. speaking of the truth. <laughs> what about you? How about you, life? Did you say anything? Oh, yeah, life? I said I was having a me- metaphorical baby. Oh. I don't know what the metaphor is about, but something about that. <laughs> we'll figure it out. And then, but uh, the listener kind of discerned in that <laughs> to create a freedom. We'll have a counseling no, nothing, session. Nothing's happening this. with me. Uh, we're living life. We live a little bit in Brookings and we live a little bit in Sioux Falls. I work at the original Pancake House. OPH. And I, I love pancakes. So, been doing that up all summer and it's good stuff. Got to make the money. Pay the nice. bills. Yeah. Tied to the church. I was going to say, <laughs> uh, Money Podcast about three weeks ago. Go ahead and listen to it. <laughs> so we're going to dive in. And what we're doing is we're just asking, yesterday when we were having a conversation, what do we want to talk about? We just kind of got to the point where it was like, I think it would be fun to just, if you had the opportunity to tell yourself a handful of years ago, a piece of advice. What would it be? And it kind of sparked a good conversation among us, and we want to have that conversation again today. So we'll start with Ben, and I'll just kind of let you start and take it right off the bat. And then Jane and I will pop in and ask some questions and kind of see where we get to. But what would you tell yourself, Ben, 10 years ago? 
and I'm the only one who's going to do 10 years because it fits our context. <laughs> um, so 10 years ago, I would, would have been 22. And specifically, 10 years ago, July of 2010, I've been married a month. Wow. And so like, right? Crazy. Um, as I was thinking about this, knowing that situation, like I'm always going to try to push into life advice being like, if Jesus isn't number one, then what are we doing here? Mm. Like in every aspect of life, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And so for there, when I was 22, I didn't have everything figured out, but I was all in, like completely mm-hmm. surrendered, just trusting, trusting Jesus. That's the, I'm, I'm living that way, living my life that way. So as I look back 10 years ago, just newly married, I think the piece of advice I'd give myself, 22-year-old 22, 22 Ben Geeson, would be most of the frustration and disappointment that you're going to have in life is going to be because of unmet expectations. So how do you, basically telling myself then, what does it look like for you to have healthy, honest expectations that you've communicated well in relationship, whether it's for me, my marriage or work or whatever. Um, but just recognizing that I think sometimes I know for myself, I've put ridiculous expectations on people that were unfair mm-hmm. um, and just know that there's been a lot of disappointment and frustration that has led to that. Yeah. So, And if I could dive aware. in here and ask another question off of that, without you don't have to do names or anything, but could you... Give us an example of a story or something where you put expectations on someone or had these unexpected. Yeah, yeah, just like dive even uncommunicated. I'll do uncommunicated yeah, 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 expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is ridiculous one, and this is what I've had to learn to do, and I, <laughs> I should say learn to deal with is in work, especially not even especially in church life, but just in work in general. If I think I have a really great idea, maybe when I was leading worship, like, oh, this song, or we're going to do it this way, and I think it's going to be bomb. Like, it's going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened in a church service ever. <laughs> and I'm an extremist, so that's the way I there think. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I have this idea. I'm, I'm coming up with it, and I'm so pumped to share it with my team. And in the midst of being excited to share it with the team or share this idea with someone, maybe it's my wife, maybe it's whatever coworker, whatever that is. I have put the expectation on them that they are going to be as excited as I am, that they're going to think also that this idea is the best idea ever. And so when I share it, so that I'm trying to think of a specific example. Oh, (laughs) I got one. Um, It was for a song that I wanted to do that was an older song that we I had never led before called Shout to the Lord. Okay. But we yeah, I paired it's an old one that almost <laughs> is never done anymore. That Hill yeah. song has even said who wrote it that they will never do again. Um but I just I had this I don't know what it was, this idea and this vision of doing this song. It was gonna be a bridge basically into another song, but I was gonna have the whole congregation sing it and then have the men and women sing it separately. Mm-hmm. And then all of us to come in. And just for some reason the way that I pictured it in my head is the greatest thing that ever happened in the world. And so I tell the team, I first tell my, one of my coworkers, Luke Smith, who is our discipleship pastor up there at my previous church. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds okay. That sounds good. And just the, his reaction to the idea that of what I thought was going to be the greatest thing ever killed me. And I was angry <laughs> and frustrated. Ultimately, because what happened was I put a higher priority on my expe- expectation of his reaction then allowing myself just to share the idea, observe and consider whatever he, however he reacts and just move forward. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just tend to do that. I, I put these, like, <laughs> this has happened with me and Brennan multiple times in the past <laughs> year that we've worked together. Why? Right. Where I think, like, I have this great idea. Sermon series, sermon idea, whatever. And I'll tell it to Brennan. And he's just like, he tilts his head a little. And I know this is, this is podcast, so you can't see us. But he'll tilt his head, his head and he'll go, okay. 
<laughs> and that's the only reaction I get out of him. But over the last 10 years, I've learned to temper my expectations okay. on people's reactions. So I don't get frustrated because... Okay. Yeah. yeah. I had a held that was good. up there. That was good. <laughs> so yeah. over the last 10 years, what did it take for you to get to the point yeah. where now you can check those expectations? Was it like an event? Was it a series of... Was it something you checked in yourself? What? How did you get to the point you're at now? Then? It was time for sure. It wasn't a specific thing. Because what I immediately wanted to do was to get rid of all expectations in my life, which would have been unhealthy. Because I think it's good to have some sort of at least goals or expectations, especially when it comes to just our life in general. It, it gives us almost a goal to pursue. Um, for me, it's been if I can't get frustrated or upset when my these expectations are met if I haven't communicated what my expectations are, especially in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so it's just over time realizing that I'm putting way more priority on the expectation of or the result of what I think should happen versus just allowing myself again, like I said, to observe what is happening because it's my expectation and then observing the actual reaction. If it's not, if it, they don't equal, then I'm going to be frustrated. Mm. And so it's, I put a priority on expectation, not on the observation of just the, the conversation. And so I can't get frustrated if the expectation is even if it is unmet because mm-hmm. it's a ridiculous thing that I put on people. That's mm-hmm. unfair. Yeah. It's just, it's literally been time. It's, it's been going through moments where I've had to recognize and been called out by Abby. He's done a really great job. So people mm-hmm. of, of calling out, like, I didn't know, like she'll say, I didn't know that that was an expectation you had of me. Mm-hmm. And so knowing mm-hmm. that, like, I just need to communicate well. So in that, it's probably more how you, it's all on me rather than how anybody else it's a hundred percent on me yeah it's a hundred percent on me mm-hmm. absolutely that's never easy to learn never yeah. no no so i'll yeah i'll have and just even expectations that i didn't realize i had which is really tough yeah so having to learn that go through that just going back like you're gonna have expectations it's okay too but recognize when you haven't communicated them when they're not healthy and then they're not met you can't get frustrated because mm-hmm all frustrations on me. And one of the biggest things I struggle with is in the reaction of when those expectations aren't met. Mm-hmm. So like the most convicting verse for my life is being uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Mm. I just, I struggle with that because I don't do that well. Yeah. And so it's in the beginning of my, especially my relationship with Abby, but just in general, when I have unmet expectations that have led to frustration, I would lash out like, Oh, you don't get it. Like you're wrong. Which wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. It was all on me. Yeah. And so I'm trying to learn to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Before we go on to the next one, which I'm going to go next, but I I skipped a little thing that we wanted to talk about, which is why this podcast was important. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. So one, I'll hit one topic and then maybe Jana can hit the other one. But the reason we think this is important is we think you guys can learn from our stories. We think the things that we've gone through and the things that we're l- learning can come off of and teach you something. So Ben, with expectations, a lot of us have the same struggle with the same unmet expectations, and it might look different than Ben's story, but you can still take that and apply it to your story. And the same will be true with Jaina and I's. And then Jaina could talk about the other aspect. Yeah, the second thing is that um, we debated a little bit ago about who originally said it, but um, we all have experiences in life, and it's not until we um, – examine or evaluate those experiences that we can really learn from them and I think grow. Um, and I, somebody said it way better than I just did. <laughs> but um, yeah, so looking back at our, as we look back on our lives and, and give ourselves advice, we encourage you to do the same um, and to evaluate the experiences that you've had so that you can obviously learn 
um, as well. Sweet. It's good. Super good. Should I go? Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Life advice, Brennan. Life advice. <laughs> For you, 25 years ago when you were not existing. <laughs> That's tough, you know. Knit together in my mother's womb by the Lord. I, I would probably just rehearse that verse 25 years ago. <laughs> no, but five years ago, because that's what I chose to do. I'd be 17, so I'm about to graduate high school. Going to do the whole college thing. Got a lot of life ahead of me, hopefully, Lord willing. I mean, I made it, so I had the life ahead of me. But what I would probably say to myself is Jesus is your fulfillment. And in that, it would have honestly shocked me and not resonated at all because I didn't even couldn't even wrap my mind around that being a truth. Because for my whole life, I'd always sought fulfillment in literally anything else. I'd never known Jesus as fulfillment. I'd known status as fulfillment. I'd known education. I'd known sports. I'd known friends. I'd known money. Like, name it. Like, anything the world can offer, I'd use that as a substitute to try to fill something in me and make my life worth value and purpose. So then when I became a Christian and I started to learn about the identity that I have and that Jesus promises me not only just life, but life to the fullest, that he promises me the best version of the life, the purpose of my life. I mean, I'm still super learning that, but that would be the biggest advice I'd give myself five years ago. So would you, would you define fulfillment as having purpose? receiving purpose like how I would think, you have defined fulfillment as a 17 year because i don't even know if i knew oh, the as, word a fulfillment. as a 17 year old no. right no no as a 17 year old oh man as a 17 year old fulfillment would have probably been like fleshly earthly like comfort okay you know and like can i do i feel valued by others like is that something i'm feeling like is do i have money where i can buy things i want it's probably like more fulfillment would be more happiness yeah. than anything else you know how can i check the American dream box to make sure that's what, like if, if I could hit all of these benchmarks, then my life would be fulfilled. That's probably what I would have told you. So when was your first experience of disappointment in having that be the <laughs> expectation of fulfillment? Oh my, that is, you know, it, it probably happened way before. Like, yeah, that's good. Okay. I mean, when I was the first time someone lets you down Yeah. or the first time you let someone down for sure, where someone expected something of you and you just, you weren't able to come through what for whatever reason. And I, I mean, I could hundreds of times that's happened to me. And I know it's probably just a common human feeling, but when you, when you let someone down, it feels terrible. Horrible. Yeah. And it's just like that feeling you, you can always come back to and feel unfortunately. And like, there's forgiveness for that and there's healing for that, but you can just feel that. And that's probably one of the first times it was like, oh, I can't necessarily always come through. So then I can't probably hit all these benchmarks. And yeah, when it comes to the fulfilling all the dreams i mean there's st i'm still learning that i can't check all those boxes but mm. that was probably the first time i let someone down and it was like you can't fulfill yourself in a weird way mm. yeah i'm not gonna live up to my own expectations ouch but yep. that's probably yeah. true yep okay so with that then how did you move from as a 17 year old now you're 22 you're still young man my goodness i, I look at you too and i am old. just a young pup I'm, i am old I'm, it's, it makes me sad and not sad at the same time. What helped in in the whether it's five years, one year, like at what point was it? It became whether it was a experience, a relationship, whatever it was. That no, okay, Jesus is a fulfillment. That mm -hmm. it clicked, it made sense because you said it wouldn't have made sense as a seventeen year old. Mm -hmm. When did it make sense, and how that? What were the circumstances that made that happen? Yeah, I think the reason this would be such big advice for a seventeen year old self is because I'd have five bonus years to start learning it. 
because I think it's going to take me another handful of years to keep learning it. Good. Mm. Like I wish I would have gotten an earlier start on it because mm. I haven't mastered it. I haven't figured it out. But really what it was was, I mean, reading scripture for me and just the the reading through the gospels and seeing who Jesus was, mm. I'd never done that. I'd only heard people tell me about Jesus. So when I first was like just crunching out the gospels and like really seeing this is this is the Jesus I'm committing my life to. This is the guy I call the son of God, the savior of the universe. Like it blew my mind reading through the actual gospel accounts and the words of his his life and what he said. So through that, I started to take serious some of the promises that he'd given more than I'd ever had before. So then when I knew that intellectually, it just took repetition of getting people around me who are going to continue to recite that over my life, getting in small groups that are going to use that as benchmarks for life success of fulfillment, where I'm not necessarily in the world listening to music that's going to encourage me to pursue all the things that I'd have been pursuing. But now I'm being encouraged by different voices who are going to teach me how to seek fulfillment in a healthy way. Yeah, Allie, my wife was huge in that just trying to like help curve, curve me and like mold me and guide me to where I needed to go. Because really, she helped check a lot of that in myself, you know, but I think all of those things, it was huge and it's going to continue to be huge to be around people, to get in God's word, to come to God. And like, yeah, the, I, I briefly just said music, but the repetition of, so there's a song Cody Carnes wrote, who's Carrie Job's wife, because most people know Carrie Job, but they don't know Cody Carnes and he's incredible, but he wrote nothing else. Are you going to sing it for us, please? I'm not going to sing it for you. <laughs> if you come Sunday of Oasis, 8 p.m. at Grace Point Wesleyan Church, I might sing it sometime. Chances are probably not, because Jaina would never let me. <laughs> and it would be <laughs> terrible. Work on it. But I'd sing it. Um, so <laughs> the Cody Carnes song, and it's nothing else. And when I hear a song like that, the promise of that song, the, the prayer of that song is that Jesus would be everything and that you would need nothing else. And for me, that still is convicting every single time I listen to it. But it's also encouraging to look back and see where I've come. Mm. So I need stuff like that where it's an encouragement and a check in my life. And that's what consistently a ton of things do for me that's really good that's good so to finish i would just say for all of you jesus is your fulfillment no matter where you stand no matter what you're as you're getting a degree as you're getting a job as you're seeking relationships those things are great god's given those to us for awesome reasons but you need to find jesus and your fulfillment you need to he needs to be the thing that's going to fill you up and be your purpose and your passion and so that's my life advice we're going to go to jana next so jana five years ago what are you telling yourself all right I would do like five to eight, kind of, because I think it's something that I wrestled with in high school and then even continued on into college. Um, and to put it into one sentence would just be that the world does not revolve around you. Mm. And it Ooh, took me funny. a long time to realize that I was self-centered because we are quick to associate um, self-centered with someone who's outgoing, who's kind of the center of attention, who you know is that big personality. And I'm a very kind of reserved, quiet, small person. Um, and so I, you know, thought, oh, because I'm not big in your face, I'm not trying to get everyone's attention, like I'm not self-centered. But I realized that I that I really honestly had been living very self-centered, thinking the world revolved around me because a lot of how I functioned and related to the people around me and the things I was experiencing um, is that I took a lot of things personally that didn't need to be taken personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would be like if someone, you know, 
said something in a, a a tone that was maybe they were upset. I would take that really personally of like, oh, what did I do? Or why are they mad at me? Or um, if something didn't go the way I had planned, like I would just take a lot of things really personally that eventually I got to a place through conversation with people through being in a relationship to realize that everyone's going through their own thing and they're having their own experiences and how they sometimes interact with you has more to do about what they're going through than actually you. Right. Um, and so I was taking things personally that weren't about me at all. And actually, because I was conflict avoidant, um, letting conflict and discontent and like just bad kind of things kind of sit between me and people because I thought that there was conflict because of how they interacted. Um, so that's the advice I would give for myself is to just the world doesn't revolve around you and everyone has stuff going on. Mm. And you can either choose to think that, you know, that's about you or you can choose to reach out and try to encourage and love them, I think. I mean, rewind, <laughs> hit it three more times, and I need to hear that advice, advice 12 more times. Yeah. The world, I feel like is, it, the world yeah. is not evolve around you. Like, that is so good. Like, I got a thousand questions, but I need to just sit. <laughs> And we know that. I mean, yeah. most of us would be able to vocally say that, but the way we act and yeah. all that, it doesn't show it. So my question would be, what do you think it took for you to recognize that? Like you said, it was kind of some things that backlashed as conflict avoidant, but was there just like a click moment or was there like a, a something that happened in you or something that influenced you where you were able to finally recognize and start to move away from that? I couldn't say that there was like one like initial pinpoint moment that was like, I had that realization. I think it was over time um, where I, at, at one point in my life kind of just stopped being conflict avoided. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I couldn't say like, Oh, someone, I heard a message or someone taught or, you know, and so I just decided to change, but I got tired of, I think holding in a lot of things. And so I started just talking to people and, like having that realization of like, oh, we were just miscommunicating or even going back to what you were talking about expectations of like, Abby said, oh, I didn't know you had that expectation of me. So sometimes even it was I had an expectation of someone or how they're going to interact with me and they didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a little bit of that. I can think there was one really big moment recently where someone was upset with me for something that I hadn't done that they had perceived that I had mm -hmm. done oh, or yeah. not done. And for me, that was a really big moment of like, I can take this really personally that they think this thing about me or I can rest in the truth that I did not do this mm -hmm. and it's completely something they're going through. Um, and so that, I mean, even in the last year or so has been, I think, really eye-opening for me. <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of changing your thinking mm -hmm. from so personally focused to try to open up to other people's, it's like stepping in other people's shoes. I mean, yeah. That's worldly advice that sits so good. I've heard from a pastor, Judah Smith, out in, uh, Portland. Uh, where am I? Not Portland. Why am I? Seattle. He's on the Seattle. West Coast. He's in Seattle. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he's in his book. He talks about every time he feels like he should be offended or hurt, he always mm -hmm. says the phrase "they didn't mean it." That's good. And, and I just thought about that, and that is so crazy. Like every time you're someone says something that could hurt you, mm -hmm. like you try to just step in and on their behalf say they didn't mean it. That's crazy. Like what? Is there something that now, when you go through a process like that, that helps you in that kind of way? You know, whether it's a check or if it's just starting that conversation instead of assuming? Yeah, I don't think I would have ever said that phrase that you just quoted from Judith Smith, but I think I kind of think that way. 
of if someone says something hurtful or doesn't do something that I thought they would do to realize that they probably don't mean to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And particularly if it's someone I know, like I know their intentions. Um, so I do, I think I have that unconscious thought um, when something happens. Um, but yeah, I try to now think less of myself in situations and more of what someone else is going through. Um, and then, yeah, I, I like having conversations with people. I mean, yeah. conflict's never fun. No one, I don't think most people like conflict. I eat difficult conversations for breakfast. I, I started to say no one like conflicts, and then I looked at you, and I was like, oh, no, I think Ben, <laughs> ben maybe doesn't like it. I don't know. But some, I like some of it. There you go. But I'm not afraid of conflict. That, I'll say that's that. healthy. Um, do you feel like even when you were in high school, and maybe this changed, did you naturally trust people? Like, was it natural for you to trust people or to, like, wait to see? If that makes sense. Uh, yes, both. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I, I do, I assume the best in everyone until they show me otherwise. But there's an extra step for me on um, trusting. So I'll assume the best in people and give them that level of trust. But then trusting, I think, with, like, my heart or, like, d- deeper yeah. aspects of me. Like, there's another step of yeah. I have to get to know them and, and deem them trustworthy. Sure. Um, so I can be slow to, I think, reveal myself to people. <laughs> but. Well, I think I think that's one of the hardest parts about moving from the world doesn't revolve around you to even, even going through recognizing that people go through stuff. Yeah. And so when they respond in a way or when they're hurt, like, mm-hmm. they act so like, how can I, how can I, enter into a situation or conversation with someone and just believe without a doubt that they're for me and I can trust that. Yeah. And then if something gets revealed that I can't, okay, we'll deal with that. Yeah. But I think, <clears throat> yeah, the whole, I think everyone is dealing with at all times, maybe until Jesus gets back, world doesn't roll around us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's that's so good. super good. No, and then to wrap up, honestly, if you're listening, learn from our stories, learn about what it looks like to have healthy expectations and to deal with unmet expectations. Learn about what it looks like to find fulfillment in Jesus. Learn about humility and servanthood through Jaina's story. But then take time. Like we said, take time and reflect, evaluate your own life. What if you could go back five, ten years ago, depending on how old you are, and ask yourself and tell yourself something? What would it be? And then have a conversation with someone in your life about that. Don't just let it be to yourself. Have a conversation. Get get a healthy uh, dialogue going with someone and just kind of evaluate and we think it's so good it was really good for each of us to kind of reflect and have this conversation so we encourage you with that otherwise is there anything else you guys want to add it's good evaluate your life yeah examine always Mm -hmm. always be examining stuff we can learn all the time and grow we love you guys otherwise (laughs) we're signing off which means this is the end of the oasis podcast and we'll see you next week yeah bye